win to make the NCAA tournament. Sexton got it! He got it! He got it! Roll tied! They did it! Sims gonna go deep on Cooper. Cooper's got it! What is up and welcome into the Not So Experts. I'm Taylor Mooney, joined by good friend and co-host Avery Nelson. Avery, how's it going, pal? I'm good. I'm very uh I'm very tired. It was a I, let me just tell you a little bit about my day, Taylor. Or really the audience, because I told you a little bit about it. It rained from the moment I woke up, before I woke up, until probably 3.30 p.m. today, just all day. I don't know how much rain it dropped on the city of Mobile. It was a lot of rain. One of the buildings at our office began to flood, and so the majority of my day resist, uh, revolved around running to Lowe's, three, buying sandbags, a shovel, a tarp, and an axe over the course of three trips. Uh, and then... Go it standing out in the pouring rain and putting out a tarp over a ditch that was flooding. Uh, basically, I came home covered in sand and soaking wet, but I got to come home early, which was good. Um, but I am also very tired. Um, Manager Avery, I tell you what they when when you read a nonprofit job description, you will always see and other duties as assigned. Today was an as other duty other duties as assigned kind of day. It's hilarious. It was uh, it was a lot. Um, but, Tell you yeah. what, uh, I went to work, uh, and since we're doing like half days, I came home at like one o'clock, and I worked from home a little bit, ate some lunch, and did not get rained on or mess with sandbags all day. So, and uh, the worst thing is, I don't even get to dress for it. And today, I have I have holes in my jeans, like three. In the crotch. Nick Saban like, would hate you, dude. And I'm not, they're not by design, obviously. But I got to say, I got the thighs kind of, they rub together a little sometimes. And I've enough friction has come that I've created holes. Anyways, I was going to wear jeans and a t-shirt today. I realized that the holes were too large to hide by just walking normally. That's pretty And so I, I ended up throwing on uh, golf pants and a polo. Yeah, nothing too fancy. But um, a little fancier than I want to be messing with sandbags and all that kind of stuff. So it was, God, it was a, it was a weird day, man. But like I said, I got to come home early, and um, hopefully I'll be able to get to the gym after this. I know you got some stuff to do, so um, yeah. Versatile, I, versatile golf polos and versatile managerial duties. I like it. I an all around home run hitter. In the office, it's gotta be about that. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Not Don't all ask. around podcast host. <laughs> listen, listen, look, I made this one work kind of this week's been a whole mess, and so is last week. I'm traveling tomorrow, and this whole month has been a lot. But by next month, hopefully, I'll kind of settle into a rhythm, and that'll make things for the both of us easier and also our audience because we'll get. A consistent release date that's not Friday. Yeah, we've got some wild schedules. Um, yeah, 
Speaking of crazy month, how about USC football over the last three weeks? I mean, they started out, I mean, they got destroyed by Stanford, uh, but they just fired Clay Helton the second week of the season, which I, like, to be honest, like, if, if he's not your guy, that's fine, fire him. But what changed the second week of the season that you didn't already know about Clay Helton and this football program. The buyout didn't change. Now you're stuck. You can't even hire people in the middle of the season. Nobody's going to take an interview, and they're damn sure not going to leave their team in the middle of a season. So now you're just sitting here with an interim coach, and a lot of recruits that you're in with don't know what you're going to do with the program either. So wild stuff over the last week for USC. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, man, they got run out of their own stadium by a Stanford team that looked like they they would they would struggle to get a, a few wins this season against Kansas State. Like, that Stanford team looked very bad. And then they come into the Coliseum and just absolutely dunk on USC. That is unacceptable, mind you. It is. No, it 100% is, but I, I think – I think they should have fired him, you know, like in buyout terms. And I haven't looked at his contract, but I'm assuming like he would have had like a bonus like in February or something if he was still the coach or whatever, like some random date, not the beginning of the season. So like I haven't seen contracts like that before. So I figured they should have fired him before the season or, or after last year. You know, when, when they could have. I, I just I really don't understand what they're going to do right now and who they're going to go after because, I mean, it's USC. You'd think they'd be able to hire whoever they want, but Urban Meyer's not available, you wouldn't think. Bob Stoops is, I mean, as a timetable, you know, I mean, and he has already retired. He could put on you in two years. You don't really want to on that route I don't think but I mean I just think it's going to be interesting who they hire when they hire and how it affects this recruiting class because I mean really nowadays when you fire a coach you really have to give them at least two years recruiting to actually see a difference in my opinion because they moved up the recruiting calendar and I think it really screws you if you go to another coach and I don't know. I think it'll be interesting because I think this is probably the most high-profile job we've seen come open since the, um, I guess Texas as well. But I mean, it'll just be interesting to see how they handle it. Yeah, and like you know, you have like all these different uh, guys, kind of names floating around. I know James Franklin is like I've I've one I've seen that people are like, oh, it's a lock. And I'm like, well, I really don't think it is. It's, and I think the USC job has become more, more palatable now that they had a change in administration. They have Mike Bond, I think is how you say his name. Bone, Bond, whatever. Yeah, they, they have him now instead of um, – I'm totally blanking on the guy they had before who was just an awful athletic director, just absolutely horrendous. Um but it seems like that administration now is like in a place 
where it, they can do a better job at building a actual feasible program and is more and again it is it's usc it's la it's a great job it's a great place for recruits for national image or national nil um it it's a very attractive job for a lot of reasons but like for me james franklin is a northeast guy who's beloved at penn state and it's one of those things usc reminds me of texas where you have a lot of not as much Texas in that they don't have those kind of boosters pulling you in different directions. Um, But the pressure is from day one. Yeah. And one other thing, like with USC, you can't just really be a regular dude and be the USC head coach. Like you have to be able to deal with all the external stuff that comes over there. Like Pete Carroll used to have like Snoop Dogg on the sidelines, you know what I mean? And like Will Ferrell and like, like they have they have A-list celebrities that want to be in at USC and it's just a different vibe than, you know, billionaire oil guys in Texas, but it's kind of the same thing. Um and you get more attention at USC. I mean, it's just a fact and that's why I just don't like Luke Fickle is boring to me. I don't think James Franklin is going to take it. I mean, I've seen the Chiefs offensive coordinator thrown around um, I've seen Matt Campbell thrown around. I mean, it'll be I, – I, I just – I don't really think a lot of those dudes fit in in L.A. except for the Chiefs O.C. And if he gets offered an NFL head coaching job at the end of the year, which I think he, he could, he very well could. He, he, I'm shocked he hasn't been offered at this point. Yeah. But point being, it's just – it's – I don't know. It, it'll, be, it'll be fun to see how they do it because – if you get a coaching search wrong, you set your program back like five years. And nowadays, it seems like 10. I mean, uh, we think of USC as being good, but like 18-year-old kids were, were not even really understanding what was going on when USC had Reggie Bush and everything at this point. So, And that's really the last time they were good. So I, I really think they've got to slam dunk this to get that swagger back because – before Alabama, like that was the dynasty that we looked at, and we were like, "That's the best football, sustained football I've ever seen." Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I don't know about Luke Fickle being boring, man. I think he's a hell. Of, I know he's like, I know he, yeah, his personality is is pretty boring. He's not, it's not, and it's not like a a guy who's going to come in and bring energy to a press conference per se. But I think it would be a, he would be the kind of guy who would bring energy to a program. You don't just make Cincinnati – I mean, I know multiple coaches have done it, but multiple good coaches have made Cincinnati into – Brian Kelly, I would argue, is a good coach. I know I'm crazy. He um, is a good coach, but he did kill a kid. So, I, you know, strike against him there. Definitely fair – that's a fair strike, Taylor. Jeez. Um, but <laughs> I got to bring it up. Uh, Luke Fickles, I think that would be a really good hire and a feasible one because he's not going to leave. And, you know, he may, he's never, I think he's never coached out of Ohio in his entire career, if I recall correctly. So, like, maybe, maybe culture fit wise doesn't necessarily add up. But as far as a guy who can build a program, I know, uh, also Mario Cristobal's been mentioned. And I think that would be a really good hire if they could pull it off. If I'm Cristobal, I'm simply using USC to get even more money out of Oregon. Like, 
they just gave him more money and more recruiting money. And I bet they're really thankful that they did because USC's got more money than Oregon does. Like, Phil Knight is obviously there, but he doesn't spend the money that you would think he does on uh, Oregon football. Like, I've heard a lot of people out in Oregon say that Phil Knight likes putting his logo on things. He doesn't necessarily, like, care as much about Oregon as everybody thinks he does. So, I don't know. I mean, that's that's not, like, inside information or anything and whatever, not, you know. Like, but, having, having the guy who, uh, you know, the top guy at Nike funneling money into your program and also merchandise still a pretty big recruiting advantage yeah and at this point i mean cristobal i'm definitely i'm using it for leverage right but i'm not leaving to just go rebuild usc into what i already made oregon right like oregon oregon has enough respect in the last 20 years where if they go 12 and 1 or something like that like they're getting in the playoff right Sure. They're not I gonna mean, get. They're not gonna get disrespected, and like we can talk about it all we want. Like the the college football playoff is very brand heavy for a reason, I think. And I mean, Oregon has a good brand. Sure, but I mean, I mean, you look at that, and you look at the kind of program USC is. In USC at brand level is at the very least on par with Oregon, if not probably ahead of them. It's, I think it's the third, probably the third best job in college football. What, USC? Yeah. I mean, it's 100% in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, I mean, I would, I know we've been, we've been seeing a bunch of lists and things like that. But, I mean, I would probably go like Bama, Texas, USC, LSU, Ohio State, if I had to make an order. Yeah. I actually, I was telling you before the podcast, I read an article on uh, The Athletic, which actually had USC at six, but it, this, this list was compiled uh, by surveying coaches and staffers across the country, which I found mm. incredibly fascinating and a really interesting angle. And some of the quotes in there about the certain programs uh, from staffers were really interesting. And uh, for USC, like, you know, it's it kind of what I said. Where it's a major uh, one of the one of the ACC recruiting coordinators who mentioned it said, "Major city, airport, potential life after football opportunities in the town, and NIL." Um, and then somebody else said the same location, the same reason, like why they would choose USC over Clemson. The like I think as far as like te- that's another reason. Say Texas isn't like the top five. The location it's built into a great uh, city. Um, that's something that a lot of people don't account for when they think, you know, they're thinking recruiting pipelines and things like that. And it's not everything, obviously. Like, I love Tuscaloosa, and I, we're, in my opinion, a top two job in the country. Tuscaloosa is not Austin, Texas. It's no, it's, it's sure not. as shit not Los Angeles, California. No, absolutely. <laughs> well, absolutely not. But there's also something to be said, like, Nick Saban has a statue. Like, Bear Bryant has a statue. Gene Stallings has a statue. Wallace Wade. Like, having a statue in a city is, like, pretty crazy. And unless you're, like, Showtime USC, you're, like, the 53rd coolest thing to do in USC. And 
Texas football is like the 23rd coolest thing to do in Austin right now. Right. But but if you get the programs rolling, I mean, it's hard to argue that they're not, you know, the best programs in the country. But the problem is they've gotten their own way. But, I mean, if, if all things are created equal, I mean, it's hard to turn down USC, yeah. Alabama, you know, Texas. I mean, they yeah. have unlimited resources. And for the most part, they'll, they'll use them and they'll know allow you to do whatever you want in theory you know but if they don't then it's like you know texas kind of gets in its own way yeah that's kind of knocks it in my opinion yeah texas for me i know i haven't like listed a top a top five it's a very it's to listen to top five is difficult you know but like for for me texas if it makes it in the top five it's on the edge just because like i can't imagine stepping into that job and just dealing with uh, having to deal with not only everything you have to deal with as a coach, uh, you know, obviously you have the resources, but also having to deal with all these boosters who are, and you know, none of them are afraid to pay a buyout. They'll start oh. handing around the handing around the donation hat at halftime. And yeah, you'll, oh, be, yeah. you'll be gone on the tarmac. You'll get Lane yeah. Kiffin, right? Yeah. And so like that kind of pressure, it just, and also the fact that they want to have a say in where the program goes, which was a huge problem at Alabama until Nick Saban came to town. Um, that's the, then that's something I don't think will ever go away with Texas just because of how they're the kind of boosters they have. Right. So anyways, um, all that to say, like for me, I Alabama, it's tough because you want to separate the job itself from the guy that's in the job currently. Right. That's, but it's really hard to do in my opinion, because if I'm Greg Byrne, sorry, I kind of want to like pitch this real quick. If I'm Greg Byrne, like to the next, you know, possible Alabama head coach, I'm saying, look, we've got the two greatest head coaches of all time. And there's a reason for that would be Mm. my pitch. Yeah. And I know, um, God. There's another quote in this article about, uh, yeah, one of uh, that Alabama wasn't always like this in terms of the administrative support for head coaches. Um, right. And that changed when Saban came into town. And one of his conditions was that if he could prove it could help the organization when he'd get his way. And then uh, that obviously came to bear fruit with the Nick Saban's tenure, but like all like, but that is one thing where it's like a a lot of programs can offer that sort of thing, right? Like I think Clemson does a really good job in just feeding Dabo. There's a quote in here about how Dabo wanted to structure his staff like Alabama's with all the analysts, and he basically pitched it to the pitched it to the or administration, and that paid off and. Or Ohio State, they're you know they're going to get resources into the football program. Texas, USC, whatever. But the ones for me that get me are the schools in state talent rich states that have no other Power Five schools to compete against, right? Like you have, um, or powerful Power Five. You have Georgia and Ohio State are the two key fact key ones. Um, and I would probably say at the moment Ohio State maybe the best just in terms of they have an easy path in their conference. They have talent in Ohio that they don't have to compete with anybody, but maybe Kentucky for, 
and obviously some people coming in, some people coming into the state, but as far as like localized uh, rivals in terms of recruiting, they don't have anybody. Um, and they, they have that name brand, especially in the Midwest that uh, like across the country that everybody talks about Ohio state, like everybody knows about Ohio state. I would probably rank Ohio state as the top uh, job in the country, wow. just based on all those things. Honestly, like I know that's crazy. I think it's kind of crazy. Not gonna lie. Ohio state was in, in my defense, second on this list of uh, by staffers and coaches. So um, I mean, it's, I'm not mad at that. It's just, that's just, I know I love Alabama. I do. But um, yeah, when I separate Nick Saban from the job itself and I look at you and I'm not saying like you, you look at, you have to compete against Auburn to recruit now at the moment. That's not very hard, but historically speaking, it's a little more difficult. Um, and a lot of our talent comes from Florida and Louisiana. You obviously have major rivals recruiting out of those places. Again, you take Nick Saban out of the equation. It's a very difficult job that he does an insanely good job at, which is all the more impressive. Sure. Uh, all the more reason why Nick Saban is the greatest of all time. So, yeah. I, you know, when you put it like that, I, it's hard to disagree with. Well, well, I'm, well. But I'm still going to disagree because <laughs> that's what I do. All right, fair and enough. That's my thing. Yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Um, I would like to point to my favorite part of this article was he mentioned Kentucky was the best job in the country because you can be Bob Stoops or Mark Stoops, uh, get eight wins a season, have a lifetime contract, make millions doing it, and get a statue built. And all he has to do is drive up the road into Ohio, take the guys that Ohio State doesn't can't take, drive back to Kentucky and have a glass of nice bourbon, go to the bourbon trail. Um, uh, that's a great point. And that is one Stoops, hell of a job. Mark Stoops gets an extension like every time he wins eight games, I'm pretty sure. It feels like it, and he's pretty good at winning eight games. Uh, it might even be a bowl game. Like I think there's a literal clause in his contract that he gets an extension if he goes to a bowl game. Uh, I'm going to see if I can try to find it, but that is, uh, that is great. I didn't know that. I thought you were literally being like facetious. No, like I'm pretty sure he gets an extension every yeah, time. Yeah, according either. to his new deal, Stoops could see his contract extended by a year by achieving a seven to nine win season and extended two years if Kentucky wins ten games a season. Like, come on, <laughs> he can have a contract forever. I mean, don't blame him. That's a smart way to do it. Like, you sustain success. Like, man. yeah. In in 20, 2017, an article popped up that says Mark Stoops. Contract extended with Vanderbilt win. He beat Vanderbilt, <laughs> and they were like, "Hey, that's the clause, man. That's the clause, baby. Write it up." Fantastic. That's I so mean, awesome. Shout out that, to Mark Stoops. Yeah, I, I think who is his agent? Because uh, yeah, hey, Jimmy Sexton. He is it Jimmy Sexton? I mean, probably. Let's be honest. He has like everybody, and he's got all these ads by the balls. So I mean. He's, yeah, he's got him, dude. I can't find his agent on uh, on the internet. But, I mean, the way that contract's written up has Jimmy Sexton written all over it. Yeah, that's, yeah absolutely. That's so awesome. Um, the I'm glad we talked about that for a while because game-wise this week, there's not really a whole lot to talk about outside of Bama, Florida, and uh, the Auburn sharecroppers and Penn State. So, I mean, 
it's it, but the, but those are two great games i think like alabama going to the swamp do you have any concerns or i guess uh, there's obvious concerns when you go on the road in the sec like nick saban's made it look easy but i mean the swamp is an insanely difficult place to play it's really loud it's really hot uh what are your initial thoughts i guess uh, well, not initial. We've had a couple of days for game week, but uh, what are your thoughts going into the game? And what are you going to look for? Um, my first thought off the jump is I am slightly concerned going into a hostile environment, a very loud environment, with our current penalty record. We've been struggling with penalties, and in a game like this, I worry that that could give us get us in trouble, um, just in terms of. Uh, trying to stay ahead of the chains, trying not to give them free yardage. Um, And if that kind of creates a problem and the guys get a little flustered, it is a young team, especially in the offense. um, I think that that gives me a little pause going into this game. Uh, Now I don't off off the top of my head. I don't want to say I think we'll lose, but um, I'm worried with that combined with a few other things I'm kind of thinking uh, this game could be a little closer than I was hoping. Yeah. Uh, the fifth minus what is Alabama minus 15, minus 15 and a half in some places. So, I mean, that's a, that's a really yeah, big minus 15. spread. That's a really big spread going into a place like Florida. And they have shown that they've been dynamic, albeit against trash opponents. You could argue Alabama's played two trash teams at this point too. So, I mean, Florida We've played better than Florida. Florida has played Florida Atlantic and South Florida. And South Florida uh, got rolled by North Carolina State so badly that I thought South Carolina or North Carolina State would roll Mississippi State. Uh, we'll get point. to that, but wrong. Anyways, Florida no, has played worse teams. For sure. And and they have I mean they they've had some explosive plays, but I mean I've gone back and watched them and I mean they do dumb stuff to beat themselves too, but you know, on the road, it, it does worry me. I mean, Alabama gave Mercer 100 yards of penalties. And if you, you know, give Florida 100 yards, especially a couple of them were personal fouls, you know, that's a that's a big one. That's a 15-yarder. Um, you know, you have a couple of those in, in the swamp. I think Florida's good enough to take advantage of that. Like, if Alabama plays like they did against Mercer, like – it's going to be a struggle beating Florida, I think. But I think the focus is probably better. And it looks like Will Anderson is going to play. So, And also today I saw that Florida's uh, you know, starting middle linebackers out against Alabama. Oh. So, you know, addition by you – know, you know, but I think – Addition by subtraction? Yeah, kind of. Well, <laughs> did I say that right? I don't know. Yeah, but, that's I mean, a- that's – that's a big loss for Florida, who I think was already probably going to struggle defensively going into this game. So I, you know, I think Alabama's going to win, but there are avenues to, to Florida winning this game, but I think it's going to be more of what Alabama does to lose the game more so than it does Florida win the game because if Alabama plays their B game and Florida plays their B game, like Alabama's going to win. You know, like if, if things are created equal and the teams play the same, Alabama's obviously better. Yeah, and it's tough to tell, one, what the quarterback situation will be for Florida. 
I know Dan Mullen gets all upset. He's like, oh, I'm going to stick with Emory Jones. And, like, I can't believe he's so in awe of reporters asking the question when uh, Anthony Richardson, I think in – yeah, it was just in the South Florida game. He averaged, like, 50-plus yards a carry and, like, 50-plus uh, yards – a throw. He threw I mean, it three he times. Looks like a. He threw it three dude. times. Ran it four for one fifteen rushing, one fifty two passing. So people are um, comparing him to Tim Tebow type player. He's way faster than Tim Tebow. Like right. Tim Tebow looked like he was waddling out there. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> great leader waddling around the field. Like this kid is fast. He's way yeah. faster than Tim Tebow. Yeah, and that's gonna be. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I again, I don't against these types this type of opposition if you are an elite athlete which it seems like this kid is he's going to run circles around him now what gives me a little hope going into this game one obviously will anderson looking like he'll get to play um and uh, obviously again at the moment emory jones is starting i think if if uh will anderson's healthy i don't know what their offensive line looks like and it's tough to tell really what they are considering who they've played. Yeah. But if if our front seven can get after Emory Jones, like I think they can, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Anthony Richardson come in at a certain point as the guy for a, if, if at least for a drive. Um, and again, I feel like I, d- I don't know what this kid is like in high pressure situations, in big games with, uh, a front seven as elite as ours getting after him. That's going to be the big question for me because if he can perform under those kind of parameters, then I, I guess what, Taylor, you know how you beat a Nick Saban team uh, with a mobile quarterback. So, I hate that narrative. I really do. It's lazy. It's lazy. But it does obviously – a mobile quarterback causes problems. Everybody knows this. And the kid seems to have like a cannon for an arm too. So if he's if he's accurate and he does get the nod at some point in the game, um, I it'll be interesting to see. I know obviously our cornerbacks had a few errors. We had a few a couple busts in the Mercer game. And obviously I was on, so that was on the safeties, and both mm-hmm. Alabama's backup corner started the Mercer game, and they both had interceptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, we were rotating a lot of guys around, which led to some mistakes. I think you can attribute some of the mistakes in the Mercer game to a lot of rotation. Saban said it himself. So I'm not, like, overly concerned. I'm just saying um, I wouldn't be shocked if Florida broke off a big play or two um, if things continue to trend in that way. Now, if Alabama comes in super focused, defense locked down – which I wouldn't be shocked by because our defense is very good and our linebackers give me so much hope. It's so com- it's so comforting knowing we have a leader at linebacker and two dudes who can fly around the field. Just absolutely Henry fly. Henry Toto and Christian Harris have been everywhere in the first yeah. two games. Like Henry Toto, like I was watching like when we were at the game Saturday, I was looking just like specifically because it's a super boring game. I wasn't even watching the ball. <laughs> I was watching individual players. Yeah, man. And that dude is around the ball just about every play. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a free – like when they're running the ball, obviously. Right, yeah, yeah, um, But, I mean, he's got a, a good motor. Like him and Christian Harris are really, really, really good. 
Yeah, they're both guys who um, I feel like get sideline to sideline so quickly that it's going to take a very impressive scheme from a very intelligent coach and Dan Mullen um, to be able to work around this front seven as a whole and specifically those two guys because uh, I think they take away so much um, and, and, and like a horizontal – Unless you're like snapping the ball out to the edges, like if you have any play de- that takes time to develop side to side, they take away so much in the way of that. That um, and I just it's something that I feel like we've missed for so long that uh, now that we have it, I, f- I do feel very comfortable in this game. And I forgot I feel what like, it looked like. You know, yeah, what I, mean? I feel like, like the line's like, like a little on point by a point or two. Like I, you know, I would if it was like at thirteen or twelve or. You know, something 15 feels about right, which is impressive going into the swamp. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Vegas is is to the point now where they have to make these aggressive lines so people don't put all their money on Alabama. They've got to put it at a point where people are going to be like, eh, I'll take Florida. <laughs> yeah. Which, and I mean, it, is, it is pretty crazy that that number's 15. I think that hook. Yeah. I mean, I can see a world where Alabama blows this line out of the water. And I can also see a world where it's a really close game. But, I mean, if Alabama holds on to the ball and doesn't beat themselves with penalties, I think 15 is an easy cover because I I don't really think Florida is going to be able to move the ball a ton. But if they can force Alabama's punting situation to become an issue. How? Uh, be- because I Alabama- we had a guy, Taylor. I thought we had a guy. Good day, mate. If you got four punters, you got no punters. And <laughs> you know what they say. I mean, I, I don't understand the punting situation. Like, I really don't. Jack Martin was good. Thank God that Will Reichert can kick field goals, you know, because the punting oh, situation's a nightmare. By the way, I, I, was told, I was told not to say this on the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyways. I was watching the Alabama game and Georgia game at the same time with uh, my dad and friend of the pod, Matt. And Georgia missed a field goal, and my dad laughed and joked with Matt, "Oh, you guys can't hit a field goal. There's no shot you beat Alabama." And uh, and then literally three minutes later, Will Reichard has like a what a 33 yarder and misses out yeah. of the blue. But then he turned around and made one right after it. it so. like he, he made like a 47 yarder. He was like, ah. "Yeah, I, I mean, joking. he's." He's nearly automatic. I mean, nearly, nearly automatic. Uh, yeah. Not great on kickoffs, I'll say. But I, Florida needs something that we haven't seen Alabama do this year, I think, for them to win this game. Like, I think Alabama would have to, you know, Bryce would have to throw a couple picks maybe, give them some good field position, and Alabama would probably have a couple dumb penalties. But Yeah, it's, 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 for me, it's a game of unknowns, right? It's, it's Bryce. And I would argue that, the week one game probably a pretty ex- electric atmosphere. I wasn't there. I don't know what it was. It was a pretty packed out game, as I recall. It, it looked like a sellout. Yeah. So I mean, you got some crowd noise there, but when you, it's totally different when you're away from home, hostile environment, totally hostile. And so this is a game, first game for Bryce that we'll be able to see how he performs in that sort of atmosphere. I think we lean heavy on the run, and if we could get the run going, I think it's lights out. Um, also, 
unknown on really what this Florida offense is. They haven't played anybody worth a damn, and it is a very much new look Florida. They lost uh, Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony, right? Yeah. Um, that Kyle Pitts guy, not Kyle, bad. Yeah, that Kyle Pitts guy, he was okay. Kyle Trask, who was somehow really good. Uh, they lost a lot of weapons. Um, and I, they actually, I, I don't even know anything about their offensive line. They may have lost some talent there. So, um, it's just, I have no idea what this Florida offense looks like. And I also, honestly, don't even know. I think they lost less talent on defense, but nonetheless, they haven't really had to sh- to prove it. And they um, had a bad defense last year also. That's what so I'm saying. Like... So they definitely need to improve that or else I don't think it's, – it's, they're in a very similar situation to us except for I don't know if they, they lost talent on offense. I don't know if they lost that similar talent on defense, but um, we don't really know what they are at the moment. So uh, Yeah, it'll be – I mean – it's that's what's really getting me like into this game. There's like so much intrigue. There's a lot that could happen, and I'm gonna be really pissed. I mean, if Alabama, you know, goes in there and throws up a stinker, but I mean, this is this is this and the Ole Miss game now. I think are the two games on Alabama's schedule that I can see them losing. You know, yeah. And Haynes King going down for Texas A&M, albeit like he didn't look really good when he was playing. Uh, but Calzada looked terrible for A&M. And so yeah. there's no way that – I'll just go ahead and say it. There's no way that guy's beating Alabama. Dude, um, Haynes King, I saw – it wasn't like a – it didn't – the, the headline I saw didn't say fracture or break. It said he had a crack in his leg. That sounds bad. A yeah, crack? Yeah, they said the, the, the earliest that he is going to join the team again is mid-October, which is after our game. Right, and that's and, when he's joining the team. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're in a rough spot. I mean, I just – so if you're looking at games that Alabama can lose, you're not looking at A&M based on how they've looked this year and their QB right. situation. You're looking at this game – because there's a little bit of intrigue with the Florida quarterback situation. It's Bryce Young's first game on the road. You're looking at reasons why Alabama can lose games. Like this one and Ole Miss, in my opinion, are really the only two that you're looking at. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it's one of those where, again, just a lot of, a lot of unknowns. Uh, Ole Miss game as well, actually, Matt asked me, if I considered the Ole Miss game as a dangerous game for us. And I told him, I feel a lot better about that one considering it's at home. Um, I feel a lot, a lot better because obviously that place gets so rowdy when Ole Miss is good, especially when Alabama comes to town. So um, that makes me feel better on that one. But I agree as far as uh, SEC threats within the regular season. And I think to be fair, this Auburn game, is gonna be uh, is gonna be an interesting indicator of whether they can pose a threat, even though the game is in Bryant Denny this season. Um, I look. I mean, I'm hey, not saying they played anybody. Auburn. Huh? It's in Auburn. Oh shit! The Iron Bowl is in Auburn this year. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going. They... Damn it! Oh, you can't, Taylor. I'm going. Oh, don't do this to yourself, man. I'm going to push the big red button. <laughs> I can't read. What's it say? 
self-destruct. <laughs> Every self-destruct. Amazing. Yes, exactly. Oh my god. Uh, Ew. So I, I guess since it's built on an Indian burial ground, you throw Auburn in there too. But really, those are the only three games at this point that look losable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely LSU, uh, assuming they don't – there's just something wrong there. And I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's Ed Orgeron. We don't have to get into the – No, we can – let's save that for when he gets fired. Of, <laughs> then we can just read a bunch of fun uh, Ed Orgeron sucks stats. Cajun Gene um, Chizik. I wanted to – we mentioned Auburn. I'm, I'm glad you threw that in there. Like, that Penn State game is really the second-best game and maybe the best game of the day in terms of, like, equally talented teams. And I wanted to throw this stat out there if you're wavering on if Auburn is really good or not. Because their schedule so far, they're 231st in the country in strength of schedule. That includes over 100 FCS teams that have had harder schedules than Auburn so far. So if you're on the fence about Auburn, I want to sway you with this statistic. Uh, Bo Nix has thrown 13 career interceptions. Ten of them are on the road. And two are at neutral sites. So when this dude is away from Jordan Hare, he's... A completely different quarterback and not in a good way, right? Like, I just, it's going to be really intriguing to see if he can, you know, change that. But I just don't really, I'm a, I'll believe it when I see it type guy. And I just, I don't think that they're going to come within, what is the line? Four and a half right now? Five. I think, I think that. You know, Penn State is going to beat them by 10-plus. It's an interesting one, dude. I, Auburn's played two god-awful opponents, put up 60 on both of them. Uh, I think uh, Harson had felt like he had something to prove coming into this season, ran up the score. He's a showboater. That's fine. That's all right. Uh, but it's this Penn State team is stout, man. They got – and I mean – they played against Wisconsin, which is Wisconsin. Um, but they put up – James Franklin is a guy who will consistently put up a strong uh, defensive team. And Happy Valley during a whiteout is an incredibly hostile environment to go college into. Five in college football, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely, man. It it's going to be pretty a, crazy. It is a wild and loud atmosphere. And so um, – I think I, I watched some of that Penn State game. Their offense, their offense can move the ball against Ball State. They put up forty-four last week. Auburn um, does have a good defense. I'll give them that. They do have a good defense. What is the over/under for this game? The total is uh, they're fifty-three. It is fifty-three. I think I would go under on that. It's a weird. It's definitely a weird one. I kind of agree though, because like you said. Auburn has a very strong defense, and Sean Clifford for me is okay. He's he's good. He's serviceable. Yeah. I, um, both of these quarterbacks, you're going into the game with question marks about both these quarterbacks, right? But I think in Jahan Dotson, uh, Penn State probably has the better deep threat, the more explosive playmaker. Yeah, I would um, agree. And so. 
that combined with, you know, a hostile atmosphere combined with the fact that I think Auburn may be lined up to get pantsed a little bit, Taylor. I think they've gotten a little wind under their sails from beating up on some really bad teams. And uh, you can't emphasize enough. They had the 231st toughest schedule through the first two games. It's it's very weak. I mean, they beat the opponents ahead of them, in front of them, which is all they can do. But it doesn't give you any confidence when that they then go into an incredibly hostile atmosphere against what is typically a James Franklin team, a very well coached, um, disciplined team with uh, some athletes on offense uh, to boot, uh, and also a disciplined defense. I don't know that uh, Auburn can re- – I honestly think this line is a little uh, little kind to Auburn. I No, I, I, I do too. I mean, I, I just don't really have a whole lot of confidence in Auburn. And if they go in and they cover the spread, and, or even if they keep it within seven, you know, I'm going to be really impressed with Auburn, and I'll change my tune on them. But – from what I thought at the beginning of the season to now, I just don't really think you can look at the the two games that they've played and like really change your tune either way. Like, if you thought Auburn was going to be really good, like you still think Auburn's really good, and if you think Auburn's really bad, you're like, well, I mean, of course, you know, Temple blew out Akron. You know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. you didn't really learn anything either way. But this is going to be a huge test. And, I mean, I'm going to be glued to the TV, man. I'm really excited. Yeah. Also, I would like to point out, Penn State, they beat Wisconsin week one 10 minutes or 10, 10 minutes, 10 uh, points in that game. Week two played Ball State, held them to 13 points. And Ball State was a top 25 offense in 2020. Yeah. May I mean, we, lest we not forget Ball State's offense. <laughs> God. So one thing that another thing that I pointed out uh, a few episodes ago, Penn State has probably one of the oldest and most experienced teams in college football. I mean, the Senior Bowl is recruiting more players at Penn State than any team in the country. So that should tell you they're old, they're experienced, and they're really good. And I, you know, I just. I really cannot see Auburn going in there and pulling this one out. Yeah, it's another one of those for me where uh, some unknowns kind of uh, carry the day in that Auburn as a whole is an unknown. I fully expected them to be awful this season. They haven't been awful, but they haven't played anybody to even show that they have what it takes to hang with Penn State in an atmosphere right. like this. And so – you have Bo Nix, who has some experience, but you point made a very good point. He struggles in away games, and I cannot imagine that would get any better in an atmosphere like this. So, um, if it does, if it does, it may cause me to change my tune on Bo Nix. Sure, but, but we've got two seasons worth of data here, and I mean, he's just obviously a totally different player on the road. Taylor, let me tell you, that is a valid sample size. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and all right, Data Guy. significant. Yeah, Data Guy. So he's got 15 touchdowns to one pick, 
at home. Uh, nine touchdowns to two picks at the two neutral site games, or I guess maybe three. Um, yeah, I think it's three. And yeah. on the road, he's got nine touchdowns and ten picks. And you know, his you know yards per rush is you know cut in half. Um, his you know yards per attempt is down. I mean, there's not a stat that that's that's better. I would to point out that that is going to be key for Auburn is getting the run game going. They do have some dudes. Tank's a stud, and his name's Tank. His name's Tank, which is fantastic. Uh, He's legit. They have uh, Jarquez Hunter has been pretty good this season in some spells, probably in some garbage time. Uh, Again, they have an incredibly effective running offense rushing offense, but that is against Alabama State and Akron. So yeah, I am holding my uh, thoughts, but they do have talent there is right. what I would say. Now, can they uh, dominate Penn State, a very physical team at the point of attack? I mean, I, that's, that's something that has yet to be seen. Um, that's going to be a very tough task, uh, but – that to me is their only path to victory in this game is if they can get the run game going um, and assert some dominance, especially over time of possession. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, what did we have anything else on the docket? I think it was uh, those two games. The, 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 the uh, week is kind of dry in terms of big matchups. The only other, I'm not saying we talked about this, only other ranked matchup is BYU Arizona State. So, yeah, it's um, not even on our pick them for this week. That's how much we care about that. Yeah, so I guess that is it, and we can move on to... This is the battle for the bottle. Ah, there it goes. Um, so for this week, Taylor, we look back to last week first, and we look at a week where we split uh, the two big games. I took Oregon... You took Ohio State, um, and then my – I'll get to that in a second. And then you took Iowa. I took Iowa State. I'll also get to that in a second. Um, we both took North Carolina State. Uh, what are the other ones? Oh, uh, the Utah-BYU game. Utah. We both took Utah. And then we both took um, – that was another I, loss. In NC State. No, it was in, I, no, I already said NC State was the other one. Yeah, we picked the Alabama game. Oh, the Alabama game, which we won. Oh, so we both went three and two last week. Wait. I lost the Iowa and Ohio State games and the NC State game. Wait. This is okay. fantastic podcasting. We picked Bama yeah, Mercer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mercer, Iowa, Iowa State, Utah, BYU, NC State. I think uh, the records are messed State. up because I remember I said. Um, our, I gave a score prediction and it was, it was us covering and I called you a liar. Um, you so I did. think I'm, I may have gone two and three. You may have gone three and two. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So if that is the case, Taylor, then I am now 10 and five. I got that right. And you are nine and six. You're a game back. Not bad. Not bad. We're, so, in, good shape. we're in good shape. Hey, we're both well over 500. And uh, I would like to give a quick shout-out to my beloved Oregon Ducks to the playoffs. 
quack, quack. I, you know, that was so impressive. And even if I think even if you picked Oregon to win the game, you didn't think they'd win it like that. I mean, they no. they I mean, they dominated Ohio State's defense on the line of scrimmage and and I mean I was really impressed. Like, obviously, Ohio State moved the ball. They had almost 600 yards of offense. But when Oregon's defense had to make they did. And quack, quack, baby. Point was, of attack football. It's what Mario Cristobal does. I mean, he has done a hell of a job there. For them to be down Justin Flo and Kayvon Thibodeau and still win that game. I mean, those are far and away their best two defensive players. Oh yeah, they went into Ohio State uh, in the shoe and won. I mean, they mauled them. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. I mean, good for those dudes, and they've got a great shot at the playoff right now. I, I think you're 100 percent right there. They're far and away the best team in the Pac-12, and good Oregon is good for college football, in my opinion. I think it's fun. Uh, yeah, I'm very. Sad. I actually missed that game. I was out. I was out golfing that morning. Um, so I missed the early kickoffs until well, I think we got back like last drive for Ohio State, maybe the last couple drives. Um, but yeah, I, I watched it, some of it back and they definitely mauled them. Um, yeah, shout out to Oregon. Uh, also, a quick, uh, a quick, a quick shout out to my fallen Iowa State Cyclones in the city of Ames. So Iowa State turned the ball over four times in that game and so nearly, nearly doubled the yardage of Iowa. They so, it, and that was the one thing I said they do. I said they that's the reason they would be better than Indiana. They wouldn't turn the ball over like Indiana did. Lo and behold, Butterfingers. Boom, boom. They did it. The Hawkeyes. They owned the state. And, and now Iowa. Is on the streak of games where I think they've won like nine straight handily, and they have the least mobile quarterback I've ever seen in the past like five years. And I think they're favorites to win the Big Ten. No way, dude. I mean, I think they could beat up on Ohio State. Ohio State looks soft. I'm bullish on Iowa. I don't see it because Ohio State had more yards against Oregon than Iowa does in two combined games. They only have to beat them once, Taylor. They don't play them regular season. I just only have to beat them in the title. Offensively, Iowa plays a style of ball that's gonna keep just about every team they play in the game to some it's degree. So gross. And exactly, and that is not a recipe for going undefeated or, or making a playoff. Punt to win, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so ugly, and I think they're gonna slip up against somebody. And I mean, we'll see. But I, yeah, I mean, it would be it'd be hilarious. But it would be I just don't think funny. it's gonna happen. But uh, so that is the recap for last week's race for the case. Um, and we can go ahead and kind of talk over this week's games. We can kind of quickly go over the first, or we can quickly go over the first one and the last one. We'll flip it. Um, because we've kind of already gone over the game. So let's start with Auburn at Penn State. Penn State minus five. I'm going to take Penn State. Uh, I, I just I, – I cannot see Auburn going in there, reversing a lot of their road woes with Bonex. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it's uh, – I, 
it's it's a real show me game for for Auburn. Uh, like I said, like if if they do show that they can beat Penn State at home, fair enough. Props will be given, but at the moment, at least what I saw from them going into the season, because um, that's all I really have to go on. Uh, yeah, I just don't think that that. Uh, the only thing I could see is Brian Harson just out gaming uh, uh, J- uh, Franklin. James Franklin. James I Franklin, geez. Just... Um, and I will say, if he can get James Franklin to some late game management, James oh. Franklin may throw it away. If yeah, he can keep himself it. in the game, James Fro- Franklin may be like, I don't know what to do here. You take it. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. But I don't think that's the case. I think Penn State, again, manhandles them at the point of attack. They play disciplined football, and uh, they do enough to cover five points and you know, win by like 10 or something. So um, You can definitely we, see it being a slop game, just gross. Yeah, definitely. It's 100% going to be a gross game. So we both take Penn State there. Moving along, again, these games are gross. We tried to do our best here to pick some interesting matchups. The first one is uh, – I believe number 15, Virginia Tech at West Virginia. West Virginia minus three, Taylor. I think Virginia Tech is the best team on paper. But Ooh. the ACC is an absolute shit show. That being said, I picked against Vatek in week one. They looked pretty, I mean, they looked good against, you know, North Carolina. I think I'm going to take Vautech here uh, because generally you get three points at home, and I, I think Virginia Tech's a better team. Yeah, it kind of feels like a, um, a bit of a pick em. Uh And West Virginia opens in by losing to Maryland um, until the uh, two was at the game. Nice. And be, beating the ever-loving shit out of the Long Island University Sharks. Oh, my God. Which? If I had to guess what Long Island's mascot was, it would not be a shark. It's not a shark. You're not thinking Atlantic Ocean sharks. It's no. not the first thing on my mind. I'm thinking lobsters, you know? Yeah, I, I don't even know what I think their mascot would be, but, like, not a shark. You said Long Island, right? Long Island University. New York? The New York Sharks? Like, no. Uh-uh. Uh, Absolutely I, not. There's seven sharks in the whole like, state of New York's waters. I, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Long Island University's campuses in Brooklyn and Brookville, New York. Hmm. Maybe, maybe the flying pizza pies. I mean, that'd be hilarious. It wouldn't That's be the worst. You've come to this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Be, it wouldn't be as bad as the fighting okra. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are worse mascots than the flying pies. Their football stadium, it, unless this is a render. It's a render. Never mind. I don't know what their football stadium looks like. Oh, it's just in the middle. It's literally just in the middle of Brooklyn, it looks like. It's nuts. And it looks like it's a combination soccer, baseball, football field, and then a track complex off to the side. That's the most New York shit I've ever seen. Hell yeah. We got two blocks. Let's figure this shit out, boys. (laughs) Basically. Uh, so that's the anyway. best. Th- that's the best thing about this matchup is finding the Long Island University Sharks. Um, yeah. Did you did you take West Virginia? No, I took Vontae. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I hate West Virginia in this game. I literally – it's – it's West Virginia can be a hostile place, but, like, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. It's 10 That's another thing, Eastern. yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, guys, uh, West Virginia is going to have to be really up for it. Um, and I actually think uh, Virginia Tech is, like – they're pretty good this year. I know, like, North Carolina was probably overrated sure. during the season. But I think Virginia Tech's, like, a solid ACC team. So, I'm I mean, also going to go with tentative, Tech. Tentative solid. I think they're a solid ACC team, Taylor. Okay, okay. I- I'm with you. I think they're better than most of the teams in the league. And in the Coastal, all you got to be is solid. Yeah, great point. You got the tiebreaker against North Carolina. Miami is, yeah, and then they're competing at the moment against Pittsburgh and Virginia, yeah, as the yeah. as the three undefeated teams. So it's disgusting. Uh, anyways, I love I love me some ACC coastal action. Uh, next game up on the docket is uh, another game where a ranked team barely hanging on to their ranking, uh, playing against a team maybe on the up and up. Michigan State at number twenty four, Miami. Miami favored by six and a half. After struggling a bit last week against App State, look. Uh, so I like Michigan State in this game, and the reason being, like I know they've played Northwestern and Youngstown State, but their offense looks pretty good, and Miami's does not at all. Mm. Um, I mean, I know that's a very basic way of looking at this game, but. I think Michigan State has, you know, looked like a more complete team. And Miami looks like they're still trying to find themselves. And this game is also at 11 a.m. Oh, 10 a.m. Eastern know, kick? Yeah, we all know, you mean, you know, noon noon kick, right? Oh, shit. I'm going the wrong way. It's an 11 a.m. game. Yeah, you're, you're ass backwards, bro. <laughs> no, I'm going to Cal- I've been to California one too many times. Yeah, well, so I I think this is a game that Miami very easily could lose. I mean, they're coming off of like a really close game last week against App State and an absolute ass whooping at Alabama. And you get, you know, an 11 a.m. home game and Miami's campus uh, doesn't even have a football stadium. They've got to travel to it. So this is absolutely a hangover game, and you're giving me minus, you know, a touchdown here. Give me Michigan State. Yeah, it's um, I think it could be a close game. Miami and their fans, obviously, very shaken up about the near loss of the cat that fell out of the rafters. Um, An insane weekend of football. A woman had a nearly had a baby, a baby in the tunnel at Southern Miss Grambling. Yeah, I, it wasn't like she went to like Alabama, Florida. Yeah, she didn't even get a. She wasn't even risking it for like, you know, a one-two matchup. I gotta be there. It was Grambling, Southern Miss. Southern Miss in Hattiesburg. It was I such mean, a weird ass, uh, such a weird ass like weekend of college football, like. Texas gets trashed by Arkansas. Did not see that coming. Oh, we didn't, didn't see, mention that. Yeah. yeah. Didn't see Oregon winning in in Ohio State. Didn't didn't even think that the cat would how does a cat get in a football stadium? How like, did, why? 
Yeah, how is this lady having a baby in a tunnel? Like, what an absurd... This is why you come... This is why you watch college football. Like, college football shit is happen so that you have never seen, and it's going to happen a lot. It's going to happen every year. Yeah, and, man. And, I mean, I don't know if you watch the BYU-Arizona game, or BYU-Utah game. That crowd... I mean, this isn't, like, a weird thing, but that crowd is nuts. I watched it, yeah. Liz fell asleep on the couch, and I was just sitting there watching football, and... Dude, um, I mean, that, that was a good game. Crazy. So, BYU, football. BYU dominated. And, I mean, I don't know. I'm excited to see the fans this weekend at, at Point, more hostile environments. Yeah, definitely. Point being, um, Miami's pretty shaken up about that cat. <laughs> you know, they're going to be thinking about that cat. But, Taylor, I think the cat will inspire them. Um, and mostly, I'm getting tired of picking the same as you. So, I'm going to go Miami. Uh, All right. we'll I'm, see. I'm an I'm an impatient bastard. Um, and then the last game before the big game, we have Tulane again. It is it is dry. Tulane at number I think thirteen Ole Miss. Wow, thirteen. Um, I could be wrong on that. I I just I just pulled that out of thin air, Taylor. I'm gonna look it up. I I mean I I'm scrolling. This is a good po- seventeen seventeen. I wasn't too far off. Um, right, Tulane at number 17, Ole Miss. Ole Miss favored by 14 points. Tulane, a decent team, Taylor. Tulane is decent. They nearly beat Oklahoma, um, but I think they've exhausted their one shocking um, you know, game of the year. I think it's really difficult for teams like Tulane to play multiple, like, teams with significantly more talent than them and show up in both the games and make them both like really, really close. And it's, you know, it's at Ole Miss. Obviously the other one was at Oklahoma. Um, But I I like Ole Miss here. I think Ole Miss has a crazy offense and I really don't see how Tulane stops it. I'll tell you what, Taylor, Tulane really beat up on the Morgan State Bears. God. How many did they score? Scored sixty nine. That's 69 amazing. Nine points. Shouts out to Tulane. Um, this is a great podcasting because I'm just trying to figure out where Morgan State is. Uh, Baltimore, it's in Indiana. Oh, shit. Baltimore. It, do, it it doesn't matter. Um, they destroyed them. They hung in there with o- Oklahoma. In a game that was supposed to be in New Orleans, I think that would have been so cool. I don't want to harp on that. I know everybody talked about that. That would have been so, so cool. Um, my concern, this is 7 p.m. kickoff central. Uh, my concern is going to be rowdy. It's going to be a bunch of drunk Ole Miss fans because they love to be drunk and in a stadium. Um, don't as we party. all do. As we all do, really. Um, and it's it's just in, it's a tough one in the sense that I think I really want to pick Tulane. Because I like Willie Fritz. He's a hell of a coach. I think he's done about as good a job as you can do at Tulane. Um, creating a program that can compete with Oklahoma on its day, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think compete with Ole Miss. My only uh, – I'm a little iffy is can they keep up with that offense? Not only the speed and talent, but also just the scheme. Um but I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna switch my Miami pick 
or I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Michigan State because that's what I want to do originally, and uh, I'm gonna get bold and I'm gonna take Tulane to cover. Right. It's two I'm touchdowns. I think they could maybe hang in there and um, I don't know, roll a wave. We'll see. I don't know. Whatever, man. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be a tough one. They've also been displaced. I don't know if they've actually – I don't think they've gone home to play no, a game yet. Like, yeah, so um, that could that could factor into it. I don't know. I like Willie Fritz. So. Not mad at it. Uh, and then on to the last game here. We get again. We've covered it. The big one. It is Alabama minus fifteen at Florida. Taylor. I don't know where the line opened this week. I know we both kind of stated how we feel about this one. It opened at twelve and a half. Yeah, thirteen and a half. It it jumped immediately. Yeah, as money I, money on that under two touchdowns. I think I'm going to take Alabama here for. You know, just my gut. I I don't think Alabama's gonna have crazy penalties, and I don't think we're gonna run rampant turning the ball over. Um, if Alabama plays a clean game, I think fifteen is is about right. I think fifteen to seventeen. Yeah, I I really want to take Alabama. I think if the game goes the way I think it will, we cover. My only concern is I feel like. There could be a scenario, a very realistic scenario, where Alabama comes in a little flat and Florida gets on top of them early. And if it gets to that point, it's going to take a lot for this offense specifically to dig out of a hole in a, an environment like that. Um, Sounds like you're picking Florida, pal. I don't want to I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stick with Alabama. I think I again I feel like it's just boring. Like for, I feel like I'm trying to what I'm trying to do is justify us not picking for the same teams when in reality what I need to be doing is like picking what my my gut instinct is. And my gut instinct is Alabama to win and cover. Okay. Well, I mean, if you pick the same games as I do from here on out, then you win. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to do but... that. But um, I would. I I also read uh, Anthony Richardson came out of the game in the fourth quarter with a tight hamstring, a, a hamstring problem. Um, he's good to play this week. He's good to play. Is he a hundred percent to play? Probably not. But neither is Will Anderson. So, well, we have more guys than Will Anderson. He's not taking snaps. Yeah, but as as quarterback, you know what I mean. So, anyways, I'll stick with that. I'll stick with my my separated pick. I have it now in the Discord here. Um, at Tulane, I roll wave, wave. Um, and then also I, I don't know. Don't listen. Point being, I actually went zero and three this week. On I technically went one and two, but I parlayed one of my bets. So, um. Don't fade fade our picks. That is that is the advice of this podcast. <laughs> Always fade our picks, folks. That is rule number one of listening to the not so experts. So, anyways, Taylor, uh, do you have anything else? I know you got uh, places to be. I'm just uh, about to eat some dinner. Pretty excited. Okay, I am uh, hopefully about to head to the gym. So, 
Um, we will. I was about to say log off. We will. We will get out of here. Go ahead and get out of here. Um, I. This is this is peak podcasting, everybody. I'm not melting down. It's, Taylor's giving me a look. We've had long days. Yeah, long day. So, anyways, thank you all for listening. If you like the podcast, please make sure to rate the podcast on iTunes specifically. Uh, also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen on. And then maybe even, I don't know, you share it. Savannah shared it last week. Shout out to Savannah, friend of the pod. Um, shared it on her Instagram story as a game day listen. Uh, greatly appreciated. So, if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to share our posts at Not So Experts, um, feel free to do that on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and other than that, uh, Taylor, you got anything else? No, pal. Um, y'all drink some beers and enjoy the two good games this weekend. Yes, drink beers specifically for two games. Um, drink local are, beers. Drink hams, everybody. Drink hams. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. And until next time, roll tide. Roll tide. Rolling down a backwoods, Tennessee byway. One arm on the wheel. Holding my lover with the other. A sweet, soft, southern thrill Worked hard all week Got a little jingle On a Tennessee Saturday night Couldn't feel better I'm together With my Dixieland delight Spend my dollar Park in a holler Make a little loving, a little turn of dubbing on a Mason Dixon night. It's my life, oh, so right.